there and welcome to Get Celebritized, where my colleagues and I share with you proven ways you can become the go-to influencer in your career industry. We're going to share with you tips and tricks and success stories from the heart so you can get to know other successful people, their stories on how they got there, how they overcame unsurpassing obstacles at times to still make their dreams come true. Because I totally believe we learn from other people's stories and how they got through tough times. Because you know what? I can guarantee you in our journeys, we're going to have tough times. And it's those moments that people don't talk about. How did they get through it? What did they do? We don't want to just hear the before, the obstacle, and then the yay, I made it out of it. We want to hear how did you do it? What helped? Who helped? Give us some tips. So that's what my podcast is going to bring to you each and every time. But first, I want to give you a little insight on who I am and why the heck should you listen to me? So I'm going to share with you a story I did on a very special stage several years ago in Florida on an event of a dear friend of mine, Teresa Tapp, who has since passed away from cancer. So I want to dedicate this very first podcast to Teresa Tapp, founder of T-Tapp, and this is the story I shared on her stage at her very special retreat filled with women, making their bodies and souls and spirits feel better, be stronger, and sharing hope and inspiration. This is my miracle story, and you'll find out why I shouldn't even be able to speak to you today on this podcast or anywhere else. Enjoy, and I hope you too will believe in miracles. Oh, I get a podium and everything. Good morning, good afternoon. Does this work? Hello. Okay. First of all, I must say you all look marvelous. And I am so excited because when I shop at Chico's, I too am a size two, because that's their sizing. And so by a little more T-tap, and I'm looking to at least be a size eight, okay? <laughs> well, I have a little bit of a different present, a premise here. You all are so gorgeous, so fit, doing so great, so excited for you. I have a couple of challenges. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just give you hope. I don't know who this is going to touch right now, but how many of you, I see there are a couple of gentlemen in the room, lucky guys, look at this, life's tough for you, isn't it? <laughs> um, that's how my husband always feels when he comes to my things, is how many of you guys have had a little girl dream, little boy dream? I mean, that little girl dream that when you were six years old and a grown-up came up to you and pinched you on the cheek and you hated it, and they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you knew, I want to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be whatever. I want you to go back there for a moment. And when somebody asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Why don't you go back to that, that thing that you used to say before you grew up and everybody told you you can't and told you all the reasons why you can't. And how many other people are doing that? And who do you think you are that's a really competitive business? Or you want to be Miss America. But you're not tall enough. You're not thin enough. You're not good enough in school. Why don't you go back to that? And for a moment, I'm going to go there. Like that could happen to you, whatever it was. And you really have to go back to not even be thinking about, gosh, I really wanted to be this. Oh, no, but I really wanted to be this. Go back there, okay? Because I'm going to give you hope for a second. Because I was born and raised at a very young age. <laughs> it takes a minute to get that one, I know. <laughs> it's okay. 
I was born and raised in New York City by a Greek tycoon, multi-millionaire, brilliant Harvard graduate, investment banker, lawyer, didn't see him much, he was so busy making the millions. My mom was a beautiful cosmopolitan model with an 18-inch waist, beautiful legs that I did not inherit. But I got the personality, okay? <laughs> so I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, and that's all I knew. We used to skate in Lake Placid every summer with Dorothy Hamill, Dick Budden, before she won the gold medal, so she was another kid to me. And um, everything was great and grand. And then when I was 15 years old, my life changed. And if you'd asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was little, I wanted to be a rich and famous movie star. That was always my, I loved TV and I loved Carol Burnett. And I'd stay up late and watch Johnny Carson. My dream was to be on the Johnny Carson show and sitting on his couch. Didn't know really what for, but I knew I wanted to be there. I wanted to be important enough for Johnny Carson to interview me. So when I, when I turned 15, my life changed. I come home one day on my dad's birthday and my mom was crying, and she goes, sit down, I have news for you. And she goes, your dad's been killed. And first she told me a car accident, because she lied to me, but I figured it out. I knew there was more to the story. She goes, he was murdered. He was shot three times in the head, hit over the head of the, uh, on his head with a baseball bat, thrown out of the car, thrown on the side of the road. And they believe one of the mafias did it, because he was in a business that he was about to step on their toes, because he was a rich shipping tycoon. And that's not a warm, fuzzy business. So somebody wanted him dead, and they did it. So my life went from millionaire to absolutely nothing. Don't ask me why we didn't have insurance. I guess in that game, they always just think they're going to live forever. And so I lost everything. But at that moment, I stepped out of my comfort zone. And from that moment, I was still just skating and doing what I was supposed to do in private school. But now everything was about to be taken away from me. And it's like, I don't want to go to public school. I didn't even know what public school was. Nothing wrong with that. I just didn't know, and I'm in New York City, so I would have been, you know, much more of a minority, and here comes little so-called little rich girl. You know, I was a little afraid. So at that moment, I knew there was one kind of school I could maybe go to. So I had to step out of my comfort zone. I auditioned for the, um, the school, everybody ever see fame? It was a school like that. Hey, yo, woo, yeah, yeah. And I auditioned for it thinking, who am I to think I'm going to get in? And I did that a lot in my life. Who am I to think I could ever do this? But the one thing God gave me was tenacity to think, well, what do I have to lose? And I'll meet a lot of fun people along the way. So I auditioned because it's either that or I was going to public school in New York City. So I was like, I'm going to go audition today. And went and just had fun. Like I had nothing to lose because I really didn't. And I got in. So here I am. And the reason I could do that, I got a scholarship so it was free for me. Then I got a job, and I started paying my own bills, paying for my mom, whole nine yards. Then I moved to Florida after I got sick of show business for a little bit because people aren't nice in show business. Women can be mean, and I was a cheerleader. And when I go to audition, it'd be cattle calls, like, oh, I hope you get it. I make friends. And they're like, well, you need to get this job, too. I'm like, oh, well, I really want you to get it, too. I mean, we both can't have the job. So I didn't like it wasn't warm fuzzy. So I went down to Florida. Oh, that's in the book. But I anyway, ended up in Florida. And I ended up getting into a relationship that was abusive because I thought this pastor's son would become good. So my, yeah, yeah, I've been there. Uh -huh. Thought we can change him. So I ended up being abused more verbally than mental, more verbally than physically, but one black eye is one too many. So here I'm coming from New York City. My mom adored me. I was conquering the world. I love show business. I did do the soap opera, The Edge of Night, for a while before I moved to New York. So I had lots of self-esteem. I loved to entertain. Became a professional white-faced clown. Love, don't even ask. It's a whole other 
This is my next, another book. But I love kids and I love animals and I love life. Then I get into this relationship because he's a pastor's son. I said, well, I'm 23 years old, time to settle down. And I thought he'd be perfect. But he was very abusive in the beginning. But I thought just because he didn't trust me. Once he gets to know me, I'm a golden retriever. Nothing to worry about. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I am. I would leave you before I cheat on you. That's just the way I am. But I mean, I couldn't look up from the ground. I couldn't see a man without him screaming at me. Couldn't have a male doctor. Married him very quickly, think it was all going to be fine because he was a pastor's son. And God doesn't have grandkids. You're either a Christian or you're not. You're not a Christian because your parents are. Huh? Yeah, okay. And uh, so anyway, ended up getting into Mary Kay because my mom said, you know, that would be a great business for you to get into because I got a black eye for asking for $5. He beat my left eye in so severely because I wanted to do my hair and he didn't want me to be pretty. And I wanted my own $5 to buy my own female products and pantyhose that I haven't explained why I need those. In one year, and here's where the hope comes in, one year being verbally abused and crying every single day, I won that free car in Mary Kay. And it doesn't matter what your business is, go to the top anyway. Had no intention of leaving him, I just wanted my own $5 and a car and I wanted a Christian private school for my daughter because that's what I had had and he forbid me to do that because he wanted public because we pay taxes for that. So woman on a mission, do you agree we can do anything? We really can. So guys just get to know that. So I was just on a mission. And I was hoping if I made more money and won the car, he'd be nice to me. Well, you know how that story ended. Anyway, but what happened was I won the car, took it to the first day of kindergarten, Christian private school, paid for by my business. Because business and making money, doing something you love and being successful builds self-esteem. And it took a lot of that, even though I was still being abused every day. So don't give me an excuse that, well, my situation's bad. Okay, mine was too. You can still pull yourself up in the bootstraps and do something that's going to build your self-esteem and make your dreams come true. So I was able and ended up with a long story on that one. Um, took that car, used it as a getaway car, and ran to this nearest Ritz Hotel I could find. My mama didn't raise no fool. <laughs> And then she came down. Anyway, it wasn't easy. He stalked me for a year. I'm not saying anything's easy. It was the best decision I ever made because it was just a few months after that my mom died of cancer. So I was alone. My best friend died. But at least I was not with that abuser because I would have never gotten away without her help and support. Maybe I would have, but that made it easier. But two months before she died, God brought my now husband into my life. Former stuntman, great guy. And there was one thing I knew I wanted after getting divorced. I wanted somebody that made me laugh instead of cry. And I would overlook a lot of other things. Most women, I was a dating matchmaker. That's another book. Done a little bit of everything. Yes, I matched myself up with this guy, okay. <laughs> and um, one thing I loved about it is because we had a lot in common and he made me laugh. And most women back then wanted a man who had a job. I wanted a man that could make me laugh and didn't make me cry. And we are married, it'll be 18 years this next year. Yay! And in 18 years, he has never made me cry. He asks me every morning, honey, what can I do for you? And he makes me coffee and brings it to me. And I do the same for him. It's a two-way street. So we're best friends. We make each other laugh and cry. And on that note, we're going to get back to that little girl, little boy dream. After that, three years into the, in the marriage now, okay, I've been through a little bit. My dad being murdered domestic violence, all that. I think, okay, I've had my share. If hard times make you, builds character, I'm a hoot by now. <laughs> God wasn't done with me yet. I start having chest pains. Now, here's where the health probably fits in well, because a lot of you I really need to get to know, and you need to help me. This is 1999, 
and I was very much an athlete. I used to ride my bike 26 miles a day in St. Pete Beach, dancer. I was physically fit in that gym every single day, and I was having chest pains. Six doctors over one year, six different doctors, said I was fine because I looked healthy. They said I must have strained a muscle working out because Brian was a bodybuilder and kept having me push heavier weight. And I thought he was cute, so I let him do that. <laughs> and finally, though, I couldn't breathe. And my mother-in-law, who's a mother-in-law from heaven, she said, why don't you come see my friend? He's a lung specialist. I'm like, really? Why do I need that? They did the lung x-ray and the blood test, and they said, you've got cancer. We don't know what kind, so we need to do surgery and open you up and find out what kind. Because it's so close to your heart, we're going to have an experienced heart surgeon do the surgery, and we'll be on the sideline. So I'm like, okay. Lots of prayer. Go into surgery, come out. Tubes coming out of my throat, out of my stomach, and the doctor's looking at me and goes, I have good news and bad news. I'm like, if I hear that one more time, okay. Okay, give me the... Let's have the good news. But I couldn't say anything. He gave me the good news. He said, good news is we found your cancer. It's non-Hodgkin's. You're curable. You're going to be okay. We got it all in the surgery. Then he said, let me tell you what that means. We removed half of both your lungs, your thymus gland, the lining around your heart, disconnected half your diaphragm. Now, mind you, I'm a pink Cadillac sales director now in 1999. No emails. If you had an email, nobody else had one. Everything I did was on the phone or in person, teaching, training. And they said, we had to remove your left vocal cord nerve and you'll never speak again. I mean, I saw the faces of my family around me. I thought they were going to die. And at that moment, God told me, you're going to write a book and it's going to help people. And I would say, remember me, God, the professional clown? I don't know how to write a book. I skipped English class half the time. <laughs> now he wants me to write a book. God wants your availability not your ability anyway now I tried to talk and I said this was my first words I said to the doctor will it get any better than this and he goes no that's actually good have a nice day and they threw me into chemo for six months well my whole life changed because now from being an athlete to having all this gone chest pain scar tissue exercising now was not fun I didn't do it for probably two years until after that and it was just I'm always out of breath and it, and it was just really, really hard, but it was curable. I'm cancer-free 12 years. Yay. Now, okay, no, we, I only have a few minutes. Let me get to the, the, the best part. Because, remember, I used to tell you I should just do things because let's, what the heck, why not? I knew I had a bigger calling. My voice started to come back. And because it came back, and the doctor said it's actually a miracle, because we didn't disconnect your vocal cord nerve. We took it out. That nerve vocal cord is not there. 700 Club got a hold of my story, and it's actually on the 700 Club as a bona fide miracle. So do expect your miracles. You have nothing to lose by expecting your miracle. Don't anybody tell you not to expect it. And you're a happier person expecting it anyway. And from there, I go to my husband, former stuntman, me, former TV, love television, and I have a purpose with my voice. I realize a lot of people don't like to use their voice because they're shy. They'd rather pay taxes or die than be a public speaker. <laughs> I love to talk. Yay, give me a microphone. So I said, I would like to, I went on a book tour. I wrote the book, seven years in the making, wrote the book. It's out there. Um, but during that book tour, I went on the news a lot around the country. And I noticed I kept going on after these news stories about husbands shooting their, their families in the head, terrorists, fire, people doing really bad things. And I said, you know, 
I just believe in my heart there's more good people doing good things than these people on TV that are getting all the spotlight for shooting up people in movie theaters and stuff. I'm like, that's not the majority. But it's not newsworthy to help an old lady across the street. Well, I'm going to make it newsworthy. So I go to my husband after I did a show in Dallas and I said, I want to do a TV show. And I want to feature and tell the stories of nonprofits, founders, people that dedicate their time and life to nonprofits, because that's the heroes of our world, you know. And I said to him, I said, do you know how to produce a show? Because I'd only been in front of the camera. He'd only been thrown off of buildings and cliffs as a stuntman. So I said, do you know how to do it? He goes, no. He goes, do you? I said, no. Okay, let's do it. It was like Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. Let's put on a show. Yay! Well, God's gotten us through worse things, so he said, let's just start. So we started. We put one foot in front of the other. We did two heads talking interviews. I just started interviewing nonprofits in my neighborhood. Before you know it, God put the right people in front of me that took me to the next level. I met Wes Sargentson, who used to be an anchor here in Tampa. He moved to Atlanta where we are. We saw him at a black tie nonprofit event. They brought me to because I did a show on them. Met him, went up to him, don't have fear went up to him, just introduced myself, told him what I was doing. He said, I'd like to help you. I want to help you do one for Toys for Tots. I was paying for all this. I didn't get any sponsors. So I said, yeah, we did it. As I'm doing the Toys for Tots show with Wes Sargentson, nine-time Emmy-winning retired anchor, he loved what I was doing. He goes, I have a show for you. He promised this nonprofit that someday he gets somebody to do a full 30-minute show on them. Now, he didn't realize one of my little girl dreams was to be hugged by a bear, swim with the dolphin, and be kissed by a seal. You're not going to figure me out in these 20 minutes. Just trust me. It's not going to happen. He goes to me, as we're interviewing Marines and doing Toys for Dots, he goes, I've got a show for you. And at that moment, I had no more money to do another show. They're not cheap to produce. And he goes, there's a zoo down in Locust Grove, Georgia, called Noah's Ark. She has raised 350 foster children and has rescued 1,900 animals. And I'll put you in a cage with a full-grown 1,000-pound bear, tiger, and a lion. I'm like, where do I sign up? <laughs> and my husband goes, you're crazy. And I was like, no, I get hugged by a bear. This thing's crazy. And I was so excited. I said, yes, yes, yes. I found the money to do it. He had NBC News camera come in for, like, dirt cheap because they wanted to do the show. We go around for the entire day interviewing a cougar, a lion, a tiger. Yeah, they speak. <laughs> go to YouTube, you'll see what I mean. But the whole day I spent there telling their story. So I figured, well, that was a pretty good show. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Let me just submit it to our Emmys. You know, again, what do I have to lose? Once in my life, I was speechless. And that's when there was 38 nominees went in for that category for the Emmys that year. Fox. NBC Biggest Loser for the whole Southeast, all these people. I'm like, well, at least I'm just putting it in. Three got the nomination, and I was one of them. It took me an hour to take my eye off the computer where it said I was a nominee. I thought it was a mistake. I said, this can't be for that. It has to be they want me to be a volunteer. You know, it just couldn't be that I got nominated for something. And I'm like, Brian, Brian, Brian. And so we're looking. I'm a nominee. I'm like, okay, well, it's nice. I'll always be considered an Emmy nominee. That, that's fine. When I went, 12 of my friends came with me. I'm like, oh, don't come with me. I want you to see me lose. On, you, know, with, you know, don't come. I'm up against Fox and NBC people. I said, really? And I was there. And when they called Live Your Legacy to win the Emmy, my best friend looked over at me. And you've seen her around today. She's in St. Pete. She goes, your mom would be proud. Aww. Here I am. Back to the little girl dream. I know. I was like, I've, you always, and that's my little girl dream. I always want to say I'd like to thank the Academy. 
But I was never tall enough, thin enough, pretty enough. In our own eyes, we're never what we think we should be. What's a beautiful woman to a woman? Everything you're not. If you've got small boobs, you want big boobs. You've got big boobs, you want small boobs. You have long legs, you want to be shorter. If you're blonde, you want to be... It's just the way women are. We want, oh, you're so this, you're so that. Just know you're perfect the way you are. You can get healthier, thinner, better, but you're perfect right now the way you are. And I was speechless at that moment because I knew this was God's calling for me, that I had a little girl dream, and here's the deal, and I'll, I'll be quiet, other people need to speak. I got up on that stage, and I thanked the Academy. <laughs> thank God but here I am 48 years old after cancer feeling fat feeling ugh, about health wise but kept on doing what I needed to do to be happy and never said perfect no vocal cords should not be able to speak and I won an Emmy my little girl dream for having a talk show featuring nonprofits and I wasn't a size two I wasn't Miss America and I won that little girl dream with everything going against me what's stopping you from your dreams coming true what are you not supposed to be able to do I challenge you to go dig that out of your back of your heart what you really want to do and give it a shot because you never know why is Teresa successful she started one day to do this how many people try to think oh I could never do that well why not whatever it is you want to do challenge you now find a partner find somebody else that believes in you to pick you up on the bad days because you'll have them but when you know you have a purpose stop thinking about all the reasons why you can't or somebody else is better at it and you go for it and with you and friends your faith you can do it so thank you so much for having me here I hope it gives somebody hope